You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to be reading from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 23 to 36. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Hmm. Morning, Village Church. 2019, I'm preaching, and I am both excited and terrified um, to be doing this. But, you know, I'm in the unique position where week to week I'm up here, and I, I see a lot of faces, but we, we do like, really don't know each other, do it, maybe not know my story, so... Um, I grew up in Harford County, Maryland, which is just north of here. My wife and I did. Um, my wife and I have been married 17 years. Um, we had three daughters in the late 2000s. We had Jenna, Nora, and Leah. We moved down to Nashville to take a job down there. Uh, that didn't work out so well for us. Uh, about a year and a half, we moved back to Baltimore. Oh, we had our fourth daughter down in Nashville as well, uh, Lila. And we moved back. Uh, so within a year and a half, had a couple different job changes, a couple different times moving. We found ourselves living in Medfield. And uh, Medfield, actually, if you know Hamden, it goes Hamden, where we are now. Medfield, it goes Hose Heights, and then Roland Park. So we were in Medfield, sent all of our daughters through Medfield Heights Elementary School, where we actually met last year, right? So that's where Medfield Heights Elementary School is. Um, we really needed to heal as a family. Just uh, anybody knows job changes, birth of a kid, um, you know, moving, all of those could be traumatic events. So we had gone through a lot of trauma, really needed to heal, was looking for community, looking for healing. And my brother-in-law said, hey, you should check out the Village Church. And it just so happened that we found out that the Village Church was putting on a cheerleading camp with another church uh, at Roosevelt Park, because that's what you think, right? The Village Church cheerleading camp. So uh, our daughters were excited about that, and we took our daughters down there, and that's where I met Pastor Dan. Um, it was several years ago, and, and uh, welcomed me and uh, said, hey, 
come and come, come to the village. So we came into the village, and I walked through the doors. I just saw a lot of need, right, at that time. Now, down in Nashville, we had helped out with a church plant. So in further, <laughs> like, we didn't have enough responsibility, so we wanted to do more, right? Um, I'm being sarcastic. Um, it just takes a lot of effort. Church plant is not for the faint of heart. It is a lot. It's a lot of work. So we had that experience, and I was just walking into the village, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to give more. I want to just rest. I want to heal. And I was really encouraged by Pastor Dan and also also some of the other guys in the group, just worship, come, worship, receive, heal, be restored. And that's what I did for a few months. I I joined the worship team. A few years later, uh, the worship leader then moved to Montana, and I've been worship, actually, as of January, I've been uh, leading the, the music team for five years now. It's been, uh, it's been great, you know. It's been wonderful to, to lead. I love singing with you all. Love it. It's a lot of work, but I love One of my favorite things is to step back away from the mic and hear you all sing. I want to take this moment to encourage you. Singing, there's a trend right now that singing, it's going down in churches, but here in the village, I actually think it's going up, and I love that. So I want to encourage you guys, continue to sing. But when I talk about worship, in fact, if you're new, right, if you've never been in church before and you hear the word worship, it may be something that's foreign for you, right? Uh, it may be something foreign for you. Why do we, like, worship is, is why do we gather here to do what we do, right? What is this word? So I'm going to submit Actually, before I go into the, the, the definition of worship, um, we all have kind of images in our brain when I say worship, right? If you are unchurched, you may think of like some sort of graven image, right? Something that was made out like a totem pole, right? Or if you're churched, right, you may think of something like this. Can I have the next slide? Yeah, yeah, this is, this is just a Google search, and I clicked on images, and it's the random person in the wheat field, all right, it is. This is this is just Google search. So this is Christian marketing, right? So next slide, can we have it? Um, another person in the wheat field. If we wanted to get charismatic, we would put like maybe a lion in the sky or a dove in the sky, or can I have the next? Uh, yeah, this like this raising hands. You feel like you're at a U2 concert, right? Or Coldplay or whatever you you would have. All those things can be worship, right? We get together, we sing, we play music, we pray, communion, baptism, generously give. All those things could be acts of worship. But it doesn't necessarily distill worship, right? Right? It's, but it's really worship is, is, is a deeper understanding is pursuing joy. In fact, I love what Pastor Larry said last week. Many of us were on vacation going visiting families. Larry said... Last week, it just doesn't necessarily mean in 1 Corinthians, it's not just a subset of Acts, right? So what is it? So I, I want to submit to you a definition of worship. Our constant outpouring to something or someone who we deem as God and has the power to change our lives, right? Worship. Our constant outpouring to something or someone who we deem as God and has the power to change our lives, so our, our outpouring, you could also substitute that word with sacrifice. We even talked about it this morning. We sang this morning, right? We sacrifice, our constant sacrifice, 
or outpouring, right? We're pouring ourselves out, right? We're always looking for something to pour ourselves out into, and we're looking for that thing to be God, right? Something of power that we see that we want either to receive power or we see something that can bring us value. And so as a result of pouring ourselves out into something of power, we're hoping to have our lives changed. We're hoping to have our lives changed. We're doing this all the day long, whether we know it or not. Christian, non-Christian, don't matter. We're constantly looking to pour ourselves out into something or someone to change our lives. And also to say change our lives, we're also saying redeem us or deliver us or save us, right? Under this definition, we don't merely come here to worship, but as worshipers, we come here and we gather to worship the living God. So we really got to understand that, wow, as a worshiper, from the moment I wake to the moment I sleep, I'm constantly looking for things to invest myself into and for it to say there's good news, right? I, I'm, I'm guilty of this every morning. I pick up this thing. Good news? My sales numbers yesterday, good news? Very first thing that I do in the morning, I'm trying to get away from that. It's a bad habit. Yeah, all the time, all the time we're looking for, for things to worship. Um, can we have the next slide, please? Yeah, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Okay, here we have another word that we are only familiar with because it's on its whatever season is American Idol. We don't use idol as a common word in our vocabulary. We don't use worship. We don't use idol unless you're in the church. So what is an idol, right? What is an idol? And so I actually, again, typed into Wikipedia or typed into the Google and Wikipedia came up and I love the definition. It just means false gods. Simple. I'm like, man, that's helpful. So here's, here's the bad news this morning, right? In, in Chronicles 16 that we saw, it says, for, the Lord is, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be held in above all, what, gods, all idols. For all gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. How does that, what does that mean for us today in 2019? Man, 2019. 2019. Um, you guys remember the, the verse in uh, Isaiah 44 where it talks about the carpenter, right? The carpenter, he, he plants trees, he cuts trees down, he takes the tree and builds a fire, and over the fire he warms himself and says, ah, I'm warmed by the fire. And over top of the fire he cooks his food, provides for him nourishment, and he's strengthened Right? And then he takes the wood and fashions an idol and he bows down to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. There's a lot of language in there that we can see even from Chronicles. Right? We're looking for someone, we're looking for something or someone. In this case, it's actually wood. Most people read that verse and they think it's the graven image, and it's not. The carpenter would be nothing without wood. So the carpenter just naturally says, oh, okay, it provides heat. It provides, you know, I cook my food over it. I can make myself an idol. He worships created things. He worships created things. 
In Chronicles 16.35, it says, Say also, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. I told you that, that in worship, there is a cry for deliverance, as in Isaiah 44. Always a cry for deliverance from whatever personal hell that we're in. Right? Or to deliver us from any type of tragedy or trial or whatever. In Romans 1.23, it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So in other words, we have the truth of God. And God should preside in the citadel of our hearts. And well, here's what we do. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped created things rather than the creator God who is forever blessed. Amen. Here's what we do. We take God, who should be here, and we take created things. And we exchange them. What's dangerous and later in that verse, it says that God gave them over, right? God gave them over to their gods. Everything has the potential to become an idol in our life. Created things that are supposed to be good to enjoy become God things when we elevate them and put them in our heart, right? What can be an idol? I have some examples here. Running, playing guitar, Owning records, eating chicken wings, drinking beer, wine, or whiskey, working in the office, Snapchat, working on your car, medical fellowships, Instagram, basket weaving, Netflix, a.k.a. binge watching, taekwondo, belt promotions, having the perfect wife, having the perfect husband, looking for the perfect wife, looking for the perfect husband, having the perfect looking family, wanting to be viewed as the best, and absolutely 100% watching the Steelers play is idolatry. 100%. Yeah, give me an amen, Christy. But God in his mercy has taken away that temptation today so you can rejoice. That temptation is no longer there. Everything can become an idol. 100%. So here's the bad news this morning. If I'm a worshiper and I'm constantly looking for things to pour myself out into and I have idols, anything and everything, including American marketing telling me that if I just do this or buy this or whatever and I just live the perfect life, then I could be delivered from whatever trial that I'm in, then everything is an idol and I am in this constant, just this constant chaos of looking for deliverance for everything other than God. It's the bad news this morning. And for the Christian, right, this doesn't end. It's just, that's not like, oh, I'm a Christian now, and now I will forever worship Jesus. No, we are, we are very complex, right? Christians, we're so distracted, and we're constantly being called back from idol worship. A giant theme in the Bible. Again, Pastor Larry had this, mentioned this last week. A giant theme of the Bible is God calling us to turn from idol worship to turn to the living God, to turn to the living God. It's bad news. But the good news is that when we come here and we worship Jesus, is that he was the sacrifice. That we don't have to continually offer sacrifice for our remissions of sins, but that Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice So we could be not idol worshipers, but God worshipers. When I said that, when it says that we're, as worshipers, we're constantly pouring ourselves out, Jesus on the cross poured himself out, and he didn't do a little bit of it. He poured his entire body out to God. 
And this is the part where I start to get, get excited. I see myself as some part as a liability because I get excited up here. You know, right? I get excited. I, f- I feel like I should have a guitar in my hands just because I, that's just kind of my environment. I get excited. I see my passion and my, and my excitement as a liability. But I, I started thinking about Jesus on the cross. I'm like, I started to feel shame about my own, like, excitement and my own passion. But I'm like, no, no, I shouldn't feel shame for that. Jesus was the most passionate and the most steadfast person that had ever lived to be murdered by people he was dying for, to bleed out, to be able to call people from idol worship to worship him. That got me even more excited. I'm like, Jesus understands me. Jesus understands. I mean, I think about the passion of Christ. I'm thinking to myself, that rivals no one. And he is to be a God that is worshipped. And that's why we do. That's why we come here every week. We come here to remember the gospel. Because, as we'll read later, it renews our minds. It renews us. Worship is so shaping. It shapes us. It flexes our spiritual muscles and also gathering, it trains us. So, so we don't have to necessarily be on the defensive, but God can actually send us out to be on the offensive. First Chronicles 29. Can we have the next slide, please? Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the seas roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he can, comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Because Jesus came and died on the cross, we can now take refuge in this. I love coming and singing to God, and I love the artistry in here. I love artistry within the Bible and within our church as well. When we come and we sing, there is beautiful artistry coming that, that comes and like unlocks portions of my heart. I don't know if you all can understand like music for me. I just it's such a big part of me. Right? I have not come across anybody that just hates music and doesn't like music. I mean, even in the summertime, I was, I was riding on my car and I heard a song that just sort of unlocked a portion of my heart that I had no idea existed. Music can do that, and coupled with the truth of the gospel, we can be honest about who we are and excited and sing together as one. There's something that's very therapeutic about music, Right? It doesn't even have to be a quote-unquote Christian song. I could just be listening to whatever, and all of a sudden it just affects me, takes me to a place, and my emotions and affections are stirred. I see many times when we come here, if our affections and emotions are stirred and music has such a healing power, I see this place as we gather as a hospital, as a hospital, right, where the spiritually unhealthy receive healing. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when, when we sing to God, when we sing together, there is this unraveling of ourselves that can happen and that we can either resist that or we can actually surrender to that. 
I'm going to encourage you this morning that you could you have the opportunity to come before God and be healed. Psalms 147, it says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Matthew 11:28 says, "Come to me all you are labor and all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." I could tell you that my weekend was not a light burden. And so there's this discrepancy here that Scripture says, all right, if I'm supposed to have Jesus' burden that's light, and I have a heavy burden this morning, what do I do? What do I do? I'm called to worship. I'm called to worship. Going back to the analogy of a hospital Patients that come to a hospital, they don't have light burdens. They're sick. And they are also trusting that the physician and the medical team is going to be able to give care. They may not know exactly what's going wrong with them. But entering into a place, a medical community, they're like, ah, you know, I got this pain in my chest. I really don't know what it is. And so you might go through a hospital. You might go through a series of tests and diagnosis that, that, the, that the physician might be saying, okay, how long has this gone on for? And okay, here's what's going on. Likewise, the process of coming here and allowing worship to shape us. And what I mean by worship, I'm not, I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about sacrificial giving. I'm talking about listening to the sermon and praying. We're asking God to deliver us and actually show us our hearts so that he can do surgery on us. When we come here, we, like the patient comes to the hospital, the patient has to trust the physician knows best. The patient has to trust that the physician knows best. So without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we're coming here week to week, we diligently seek God. Right? Like Scripture says that we're transformed from one degree of glory to the next. We're, in American culture, we're always looking for this fantastic transformation. But we're coming through the spiritual disciplines of worshiping God. God is shaping us. And then he, we believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Church, we've got to trust the physician. We have to trust the physician. And it's good news because he cares for us. Have the next slide, please. Now, hospital. Chronicles um, 24. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. I told you it was an offering. Right? Offering and come before him, worship the Lord in splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established, it will never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let him say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Uh, many of you know that I, uh, I train in jujitsu. And if you didn't know that, you know that now. Every time I train, I, I, like, to, I, I like to actually recite this. Uh, verse Psalm 144, it says, Blessed be the Lord my God, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. It's just my setting. 
Okay, it's just for me to center myself and just ask God to help me as I train. And jujitsu is the art of grappling. The whole idea is to be able to take somebody down with the least amount of effort, preserve your strength, to control your opponent. It's not striking, right? It's not Muay Thai clinches. It belongs in the family of, of judo and also wrestling. And when I have learned for the past two years, on the mat, right, there's a lot of different people. In fact, I've become friends with people who I train with on Facebook, and I start looking at their Facebook profile. I'm like, whoa, they hate Christians. <laughs> whoa, they're very different than me. Wow, we have lots of different backgrounds, but we have one thing in common, and above all, we are there to train. We are there to train to care for ourselves. I see this place not only as a hospital, but once we start to receive healing, we can also train in the gospel as well. There's that one scripture in, 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 in the Bible that says, yeah, bodily training is some value, but focus on spiritual training, right? Spiritual training ground. So in jujitsu, so many times people look different and they offer different techniques that I have no, no idea. I see their belt ranking. I'm like, oh, man, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mess with that person. But I do, and all of a sudden, I learn from people that are very different than I am. I, look, I look around, and there is an, a distinct advantage of worshiping in a very diverse community where people get to bring them their whole life to be able to speak into each other's lives, to be able to worship together. There's tremendous value of worshiping in a diverse community. Additionally, I'll also say within jujitsu, what I'll do is I'll train for an hour. I will, I will train. I'll learn a specific technique. And then I'll go against an opponent, and then all of a sudden, that opponent is bigger, stronger, faster, and they know more. And I am suddenly thrust into a period of stress. And I'm being felt like I'm being crushed like a planet. <laughs> I forget my training. I will go through an hour of training something. And then all of a sudden when I go through and when real, quote unquote, the real opponent hits, I forget my training. Through here, when we come here, through the cycle of weekly worship shaping training, we can not only have training for the moment, but we can have training so when we go out and we are the church amongst the city we can actually be prepared for, quote-unquote, fiery darts, right? Worship is so shaping. CrossFit, you guys who are in CrossFit, you know this. You guys are a community. You guys are crazy. You guys do these nuts, like these things that I'm like, wow, this, it's amazing. You guys are a community. You guys are sharing information. You're communicating. I'm like, you guys are almost like, this is like a church going on. It's amazing. And by the way, it's messy, when I'm training in jiu-jitsu, when, I'm, when people are training in CrossFit, it can be messy. There's sweat, and you're trying to work. Like, guys, this, this can be a safe place to worship, but this may be messy as we come and confess our sins to turn from idols and to turn from, to Jesus in our worship. As we come and gather and say, save us, God, it may be messy. It also may be messy because we're very different, Right? We're not only different in the way that we look and our socioeconomic background, but also we've been raised in different churches. Like, there's a lot of different 
churches come here. We come here, even though it's messy, it's a safe place because here is not the battle. Here is not the battle. This is family. This is family. We pour ourselves out as an offering all the time. Chronicles 16, 29. It says, ascribe to the Lord, the 29. Do we have that slide? That's up, oh, okay, 29. I'm going to read it. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We pour ourselves out into this training ground to get healing. Romans 12.1, it says, I, peed. I love this. I love this so much. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Is your burden heavy this morning? Worship. Do you have a decision to make, whether to take this job or this job, or what should I do? Worship. 12.1, Romans 12.1 says, take your bodies, sacrifice it, being your spiritual worship, and it says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect, acceptable and perfect. We have to dispel this notion that I have to be perfect in order to worship. That is a lie. That is a lie. That you have to be perfect before you enter into these doors to worship God. But through worshiping God, he renews us because we constantly are bombarded all day, every day, to conform to the culture of this world. To conform to the culture of this world. So that by training, I can actually see, oh, I've seen this before. When I'm in jujitsu, I'm like, oh, I've seen this move before. He caught me in this last time. He won't catch me again. And there's growth. And there's strength. Lastly, when we come here, I consider this to be a, a spiritual armory. A spiritual armory. So we heal. We receive training. And then we're armored spiritually. I have the next slide. I had somebody, um, somebody tell me, are we going to get medieval this morning? They saw this. I was like, yeah, we're going to get medieval. Um, <laughs> Chronicles 16, 27. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy. Strength and joy are in his place. I get excited about that. Strength and joy are in his place. Place Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the people. I told you that we're diverse. Even in this example, diversity. O clans of the people coming together to train, to receive strength and joy. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The words that pop out of this specific uh, verse are strength, joy, glory, and strength. I'm like, where have I seen that before? And I started to search. And there's this beautiful passage in Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8, where the people of God come together to rebuild the wall. And they find this book of the law. And 
they actually have Ezra. They build a platform or a stage, and Ezra reads this book aloud for the people. And the people lift up their hands, they bow down their heads, and they kneel in a posture of receiving. And if you remember, like one of the 12 tribes of Israel was the Levites, and they were really skilled in knowing the law. And it says that they walked in among the people and were interpreting the law. And they were saying, this is what the law says. Here's what it means for you. I I know for certain, I I don't think it's too big of a stretch that they were receiving healing because they had taken a a, a big hit, a nation. Their wall was in need of repair. They were licking their wounds. The Levite tribe was saying, they were using their spiritual gifts to say, here's what it means for you. Live life. They received the word, received healing. And they went out and it said, and it said, then he said to them, go your way, eat fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of of the Lord is your strength. The last thing that God armors up us with is joy and strength so that we can come here, receive healing, receive training, and go out with joy. Go out with joy so that you don't have to worship idols, that, so that you don't, you're not enslaved to whatever sin and whatever, slight, whatever idols that might loom in front of you, but that God gives a way out And then as we remember, here's what we do, okay? This week, you're going to be in a situation where you're saying, okay, here's my idol, or maybe even right now you're thinking about it. This is a wonderful practice that's helped me so much. I just remember God is holy. We've sinned against him. Jesus saves us, and the Spirit sends us. And in the practice of 12-1, I just ask God, Renew my mind, and right now I present my body for you. This morning we're going we're gonna to be ready to sing, and I would invite the worship team up right now. We're going to get ready to sing, and as we do that, I would encourage you to remember, one, the sacrifice of God, but also in Romans 12.1, it says for us to renew our minds and ask God to be spiritual healing, training, and an armor for us. Can we pray? Father, I thank you that in your scripture it says that in your presence is fullness of joy. And in your servant David says that there's pleasures forever, forevermore. Um, forgive us, forgive me for just wanting, being so enamored with either an idol or something that is uh, exciting to me that I have replaced it with you. But I thank you, God, because of Jesus that offers healing and hope and training for us in stressful situations, for us to turn from whatever ails us to receive healing from you. So this morning, I ask that as we sing, that we would receive with all joy your spirit that encourages us and strengthens us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.